live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Hope you had a great weekend. Weather report looks absolutely outstanding. This is going to be a Chamber of Commerce week. Um, All this week, they're looking at the temperatures, generally speaking, in the 70s, low humidity. It's going to be, matter of fact, I was exchanging emails with my friend Kathleen O'Leary, who's the CEO out at the State Fair. I said, look, you have obviously been... I don't know. You have obviously, you know, you stand in good with the man upstairs because it looks at least through the opening weekend of State Fair that it's going to be absolutely tremendous. Speaking of State Fair, Cream Puff Palooza is back. Come on out. Fill the parking lot at State Fair. This would be Wednesday morning, two days from now. And if you are one of the first 620 vehicles to show up, I will be there. I will give you a free three-pack of cream puffs. And I think they're going to have milk to give away as well. Cream Puffapalooza, Wednesday, July 31st. It starts at 620. I have been doing this for years and years, though. And I will tell you, cars begin lining up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. It's sort of like the start of deer hunting. It, it just is. So um, first 620 vehicles each get a three-pack of cream puffs when they're gone. They're gone. For official rules of the promotion, visit WTMJ.com. All right. A lot of stuff going on in Milwaukee this weekend. You had German Fest. You had the air show down at the lakefront. You had a number of different, you know, events throughout the multiple county region. And then, of course, you had the Cubs in town to play the Brewers. Now, whenever whenever this happens and whenever you have the Cubs fans coming up, Well, okay, they spend a lot of money, and that's good, but for lots and lots of Cub fans, it ends up being they come up for vacation and they go home on probation. That's just kind of the attitude there. Coming up for vacation, going home on probation. Let me share an email I received from one of our listeners. Jeff, last night, Saturday, I attended the Brewers-Cubs game, Brewers Big wins on Friday and Saturday. You know, yesterday was a stinker, but they took two out of the three games. Jeff, last Saturday, that would, last night, Saturday, I attended the Brewers Cubs game. My son arranged tickets for our family as well as his wife's family who are from Chicago. We had planned this for quite a time. The tailgate was fun. We enjoyed positive interactions with the large number of Cubs fans that were here. Things turned for the worse as we crossed the footbridge and made our way to the stadium. Rudeness was everywhere. There wasn't a long line to enter the stadium and, oh, there was a long line to enter the stadium and the Cubs fans were terrible. Things got worse when we got to our seats. Now, no one was rude or harsh to us, but the chants and the booing and the swearing and the anger towards each other, Cub fan to Cub fan, was everywhere. A group of guys near me stood up and yelled, screamed obscenities and booed the relief pitcher who had lost the lead on Friday. 
Um, I'm a recently retired middle school principal and coach. I'm still an active basketball official, so I understand fans and passion, but this was a level I had not experienced. Anyway, hats off to the Milwaukee police who calmly managed the huge crowd, and hats off to the many Miller Park staff who also calmly handled the situation. 414-799-1620. Okay, this, this seems to be a repeat occurrence. Now, I go to lots and lots of Brewers games. I've got a 20-pack of season tickets, and as I say, I probably catch another 10 games on top of that. So I, I go to a lot. As a general rule, I think... Brewers fans are well-behaved as a general rule. And that's not saying that you can't get some drunk, loud mouth, because that does happen. But as a general rule, I notice that. I also notice that when you go to the games, there are oftentimes, you know, there will be contingents of people who are following their teams. St. Louis Cardinals fans travel extremely well. When we were at the Giants game, I was surprised by how many Giants fans there were. I was actually surprised when uh, last week I was at the Cincinnati game, last Monday, a week ago, and I was surprised about how many Reds fans there were. I I will say this, though, and, and I say this sincerely. When I go to the games and I see Cardinals fans or I see Reds fans, or I see Giants fans. I, I don't see screaming obscenities back and forth, certainly not at, at each other. Um, you know, and I've been there when you've got 35 or 40,000 people. With all due respect, I think there is something about Cubs fans. And I don't know, I mean, this idea that, hey, Cubs fans are lovable losers and stuff, that has not been my experience. There's something about coming up to Miller Park, and maybe it's like that at Wrigley Field. I've only been to two games at Wrigley Field in my life. Maybe it's maybe this is just the attitude that you get drunk and you swear and you scream at each other. But I get constant emails about Cubs Brewers rivalry and the interaction and the reaction of fans, and I don't see that anywhere else with any other team. So are Cubs fans just worse? Is it because they come up here in huge numbers that makes it worse? So there's a strength in a crowd. In this case, the listener is saying, hey, I was there. They weren't cursing at me. They were screaming and cursing at each other. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Jason and Mequon. Jason, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, afternoon, Jeff. Uh, me, personally, I would never go to a Cubs game because I think they're just fans are obnoxious, whether it's the Cubs or the Bears or whatever. They're just off the wall obnoxious. Um, I got a couple friends who are Cubs fans, and they're just obnoxious as all you hear about the reports on the radio. Okay. And my brother went, unfortunately, went to the game on Saturday, and he posted like 20 pictures on Facebook of people just laying around on the street, you know, in random places with cops around them. I'm like, what? Was there a mass shooting at Miller Park? <laughs> this is just like, drunk. No, they just all drank too much and passed out, and all the cops were attending to them. I, I just yeah. See I don't see I just I don't I don't get that. I mean, if you want to drink yourself senseless and pass out somewhere, okay, I, I guess I understand that. But why would you you know spend a hundred bucks you know on the secondary market buying a ticket and then do that you know drinking nine dollar beers and stuff? I just don't understand that. I mean, if you want to just stay home, if you want to drink yourself senseless, it's a lot cheaper. Well, not to mention traveling ninety miles south. Apparently, you got to get back home somehow. Uh, so where's the thought process behind that one? Yeah, well, that's like I say, you come up on vacation, you go home on probation. Thanks for the call. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right. I am curious if you were at any of the games this weekend, was it the same as normal? Was it better? Was it worse? 
whenever the Cubs are in town, and I will tell you, it is the only time I get swamped with emails from people saying, my God, it was just, it's a disaster out there. Don't hear that when the Cardinals fans are in town or the Pirates are in town. Don't hear it at all, except when it's the Chicago Cubs. Were you there over the weekend? This one listener says, hey, you know, it was just, it, 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 this, it was so bad over the weekend, they're, they're screaming and cursing at each other. 414-799-1620. We continue the conversation in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. The Cubs were in town this weekend, which means lots of Chicago fans were in town this weekend, which means intake courts were probably overflowing this morning. 414-799-1620. Sue in Kenosha. Hi, Sue. Hi. Good morning. Hi. What do you think? So, I, I'll tell you, it, it's related to the to all the Cubs fans and to the not all of them, but the Cubs games in Milwaukee. Right. And they go to Pottawatomie to the casino about three times a week, and I don't win. But um, <laughs> but you keep I, going back. That says something, you know. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing: I won't go to the casino. I won't even go near that place when the Cubs are playing in town. Just because the fans are kind of, the Cub fans that are hanging there are unpleasant? And obnoxious. I mean, they're terrible. Yeah. So it's someplace I stay away from. That was just my little comment. Right, okay. And that means that you you could, I couldn't pay you to take a ticket to go see the Cubs play the Brewers at Miller Park, uh, in other words. Absolutely not. Yeah. Now, th- thanks for calling. And again, it's it's interesting to me because yeah, is there a Brewers Cubs rivalry? Yeah, there there is, but we and I and I understand that because you know the Cubs fans like to travel and they travel well when it comes to Milwaukee. You you've got strength in numbers, so maybe that emboldens the behavior. But I swear, I I don't hear about bad behavior from other groups of fans that travel, except when it's the Cubs. Jeff, I was at the game on Saturday. In the seventh inning, a Cubs fan sitting behind me tapped me on my shoulder and said, I just wanted to let you know that you're really blanking ugly. Can't say the blanking word on radio, but your girlfriend is really cute. I told him that was really rude to say about me, and he kept on making comments. Let it be known that this guy had to weigh 300-plus pounds. I don't want to go to any Cubs games again. Thank God the Brewers won on Saturday. Yeah, that's kind of this interesting dynamic. You've got this enormous, probably drunk, loud, obscene Cubs fan tapping you on the shoulder going, Hey, man, you're really ugly, but your girlfriend is cute. Huh. <laughs> Um, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Jim from Illinois. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jim. I'm going to bring up the other side of the equation that, you know, I know the us Cubs fans, we have become more obnoxious. Uh, so, you know, in the last few years, we've had a, a winning tradition, and I guess that gives us like a, a false bravado or something like that. But the last couple of years, you guys have turned it around, too. And don't think that we don't notice the cockiness on the other side as mm-hmm. well. I mean, you know, you, maybe it's because, you know, you, the last couple of years you guys have done pretty well. You get a little proud in your team. And then you speak up a little maybe sometimes when you shouldn't. I mean, and that, and that, I've been saying that on both, both mm-hmm. sides. 
And I'm sure there is some of that, but why do you think it is? I, I will I will tell you. Like I said, there, there's other teams whose fans travel well, maybe not quite as well as the Cubs fans, but but Cardinals. You come here and there's a ton of Cardinals fans, and you you don't you don't hear these stories, and there's not all the arrests and stuff. Is it? It seems to me there's something about the Cubs fans, and maybe it brings out the worst in the Brewers fans, and and maybe just lots of Cubs fans are here drunk and obnoxious too. But there, there's something about the Cubs Brewers rivalry, I guess. I think it's because I would I would say per capita I would say Chicago has maybe what a little bit more disposable income mm-hmm. than, than Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. They come up there and they're a little bit more arrogant, and you know, unfortunately. The state of Illinois is always treated Wisconsin as its backyard, mm-hmm. and 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 maybe they come up. At, you know, we try to be respectful. I think Wisconsin is a, a much better state than Illinois. Mm-hmm. I wish I could I could move there, but even you know, I, I live in Rockford, ninety miles away from uh, the city, and and I don't even go into the city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 they have attitudes. That the, you know, I mean, there's no right. such thing as driving courtesy or everything in there. It's, it's its own little world, right? And unfortunately, when they go up there, they they don't care. Right. No. I no. Thanks. And, and again, and I, and I I understand that you know you, you perhaps have Brewers fans that kind of have this chip on their shoulder that you know. And, and I mean, look, I, I applaud Cubs fans for coming up here. I applaud you know. I I don't think I don't think. I mean, there were years where. I swear, seventy percent of the stadium was, was Cubs fans. I I don't think it's that much anymore. That's just kind of my sense. But still, you have Cubs fans that are coming up, and it's, I, I, I'm generalizing, but you know, you've got drunk, you got they're drunk in some cases, they're arrogant, looking for trouble, loud mouthed, and and yeah, I'm sure that that probably gets a little bit of a response from the Brewers fans as well. I'm just saying, you you don't you don't have this with other teams, and as to your point that you know maybe people from Illinois you know treat Milwaukee or Wisconsin kind of as their backyard, that that's all fine. It's just, do you have to go out and pee in your backyard? You know, every time the thing comes around. In any event, I I think there's probably one more homestand. And and candidly, the weekends are worse because, you know, when it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you have people that just decide, okay, we're not going to have to go back. We don't have to be at work. We're just going to kind of come up and, you know, drink ourselves senseless and things like that. Bottom line is, eh, it's another Cubs weekend. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Hey, last week we were talking about the, this this tent city, and if you don't drive down to Milwaukee regularly, you, you've only heard the descriptions of it, but essentially the city has allowed and enabled that this entire population of homeless people to set up a, a ever-growing camp under the, the freeway overpass on I-794, and it's growing and it's starting to spread. By enabled it, there, there's some, I think, well-intentioned but incredibly misguided people who go out, they've provided these folks with tents, they bring them food, they bring them clean clothes, in, in other words, just enabling the, this situation. And, you know, I, I just don't understand why the city allows this to happen. You, it's just, and now you're starting to see, as you might expect, significant health issues, drug problems and the like and i've been one that's been saying for weeks you got to come in and clean it out you know because it's going to get worse and worse and worse and interestingly everybody agrees that that tent city is not going to be there next july because we would not allow that to happen during the democratic national convention so my point is well if if we were 
if we're going to clean it up before Milwaukee gets a national spotlight because we know it's not good for anybody, why don't we clean it up now? I mean, this idea that just because, you know, we don't have the national press here, we're going to allow this to happen. Here's an interesting text I got. Um, Jeff, my fiance and I usually only drive to Milwaukee for a specific reason and then they leave. We've really never checked out the city. This weekend, we rented a hotel room and walked around the city. Oh, my God, where did all the homeless people, when did all the homeless people move in? I've heard you complain about it recently. I had no idea, though, that it would be that bad. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there you have it. And, and I mean, I think this has got to be a wake-up call for, for Mayor Tom Barrett and for the Common Council and for the police department and all. This is the way the city is being perceived. And by the way, just simply allowing homeless squatters to flop under freeway overpasses, you are not helping them. And interestingly, a number of advocates for the homeless are saying that too. You know, you, obviously the idea is, You've got to help people transition, you know, find places. But by just allowing them to live in tents, all you're doing is enabling this this behavior. And to the extent that there are availability and there's places and shelters and stuff, but the people don't want to go there because they don't let you drink and they don't let you fight and they don't let you, you know, do dope. Well, all right. That the idea is well here we're just gonna we're gonna enable people to live in tents under the freeway and start taking up city blocks with this stuff so they can fight and do dope and things like that. That's really not a healthy environment, I would argue. And again, my big point is if we accept that it's gonna be cleaned out by next July, why are we allowing it to go on this July? All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk about the big story over the weekend. I do not think in this regard the president was racist, and I think the people who are playing the race card should be ashamed of themselves. Right here, Here's the story. And by, by way of background, I, I'm originally from Baltimore. I don't know if people know that. My mom was from southern Maryland, Annapolis, and my dad was from Baltimore. And um, I... I we lived in Pittsburgh for a couple of years, but you know we moved here when I was like nine or ten years old. All right, so I've lived here since then. But I mean, I I, I grew up in in a Baltimore suburb. My uh, father's parents, my grandmother and grandfather, they lived in one of the classic Baltimore row houses about. I want to say a mile from the old Memorial Stadium. And and that's and I have all sorts of recollections as as a younger kid and then, you know, when I was in my teens we'd we'd go back on vacation and we'd stay with, you know, my my grandmother and um I, I just I have all these recollections of it and you know, these row houses were nice and they were well kept. Um I over the years I've gone back to this area and it's been I mean, the whole area where I grew up, it, it's just completely gone to hell. There's just no other way to, to say it. If you ever saw the HBO series The Wire, which talks about, you know, drug dealing and murders and things like that in Baltimore, it's 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 an unflattering portrayal, but it's not an incorrect portrayal. I mean, Baltimore, for whatever reasons, is a city that is struggling mightily. Let me just give you one of the numbers. Um the city of Baltimore so far has recorded 32 more murders this year than New York City. Let me just let that linger out there. Baltimore has 32 more murders this year than they have in New York. Baltimore is one fourteenth the size of New York, right? Baltimore is a city in crisis, right? So that's that is just the reality. And Baltimore, the city itself, there's some nice areas, got the area around Harbor Place and all. But in general, 
in general, it is struggling, and it has been struggling for a number of years. Okay, into this wades one of the long-term congressmen from uh, the Baltimore area. His name is Elijah Cummings, right? And he represents a district that, while it's not exclusively challenged, large parts of his district are in some of the worst spots in Baltimore. And that's, like I say, that's saying a lot. Well, here's the background of what happens. Cummings is is chairing one of these House investigations about stuff that's going on in the border. Let me back into this quickly. You you have all these Democrats in particular who are going down to the border, and they're seeing the, the way that you know immigrants are being detained, and they're outraged. You've got kids that are sitting there, and they don't have access to showers and all this. This is terrible. The, the, here's the reality, and it's one of the things that's so frustrating me about the immigration issue, and we'll get to Baltimore in a minute, is the fact that, you know, when, when the whole rules about coming into this country and asking for asylum, when, when those were implemented, those laws were implemented, we were getting about 20,000 people per year who were coming in and asking for asylum. Right Now we're getting thousands per day that are swamping the border. And these detention facilities that, that they have along the border, they're, they're like police stations. You know, we're, with the, the border we never anticipated when we passed these various laws that you'd be having thousands and thousands and thousands of people swarming across per day. So, I, yes, you have these Democrats who go down and say, well, they're keeping all these people in, in you know, cages and they're, they're in these confined facilities and all, to which you say, yeah, that, 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 that's the reality because we weren't prepared for this. And so then you say, what do you want to do about it? Do you want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars building, you know, giant detention camps? Do you want to open the borders? Um, well, no, no, we don't necessarily want to do that. And so it's frustrating to me that you have people like Mark Pocan and Madison or this Elijah Cummings, and they want to scream at the administration. Well, look how these people are being housed, but they have no solutions short of just letting everybody into the country. And maybe that's what they really want, but they don't want to come out and say it. So anyhow, Elijah Cummings, who represents this very, very challenged district in Baltimore, he's on his high horse and he's screaming at the guy from Homeland Security. And, you know, he gets his, you know, he gets his 15 minutes of fame by yelling at the guy saying, you know, we we need to do better. All right. So, you know, he gets all the attention, you know, but again, no solutions or anything like that. So President Trump takes to Twitter. Now, Elijah Cummings, by the way, is black. The district he represents is a majority minority district. So Trump Trump takes after Cummings rips the Homeland Security guy and gets all this attention. President Trump goes on Twitter and says, Representative Elijah Cummings has been a brutal bully shouting and screaming at the great men and women of the Border Patrol about conditions at the southern border when actually his Baltimore district is far worse and more dangerous. His district is considered the worst in the USA. As proven last week during a congressional tour, the border is clean, efficient, well-run, just very crowded. Cummings' district is a disgusting, rat and rodent infested mess. He, if he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous, filthy place. And by the way, before we start taking phone calls on this, it, it's not just president trump who has made this point matter of fact a couple years ago when bernie sanders was on a walking district a walking tour of the baltimore district um parts of which apparently that that cummings represents 
This is what he said. He said, anyone who took the walk that we took around this neighborhood would not think you're in a wealthy nation. You would think that you're in a third world country. Okay, so that that's what Bernie Sanders is saying. You would think we're in a third world country. Well, anyhow, after President Trump sends out his tweets, predictably, you have the usual suspects who are just absolutely outraged, saying, here it is. This is a racist tweet from a racist president. How dare you? You know, criticize Baltimore. How dare you criticize the congressman? Here's how I see this. Now, you can argue whether or not President Trump should punch down and, you know, whether or not. All right. You know, he's the president of the entire country. Should he just ignore it when you have these congressmen who do this grandstanding stuff? You know, you, you can make that argument. And you can also make the argument that maybe as the president of the United States, he shouldn't be blasting any city in the United States. All right. And I think that's fair. Where I have an issue is where you take it to that next level and say it's racist because he's a black congressman and because the district is a majority minority district. Trump can't criticize it because that means you have to be racist. I don't buy that. I think and you can make. You can argue, I guess, that because of other things Trump has done or the president has done, you can argue that, okay, maybe, you know, that was racist or whatever. But I don't think Elijah Cummings, just because he's black, I don't think that he gets off the hook. And I don't think that if just because you criticize him and say, hey, instead of being so obsessed with the border and trying to score points for political correctness, maybe you should spend more time trying to figure out all the problems in your own district. I don't think that that is racist. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to talk about other things the president has done or said. But in this particular case, you know, should he have, should he have responded? Should he have punched down? That's one thing. But this idea that, well, he's criticizing, you know, this district in Baltimore and he's criticizing this black representative and it's got to be racist. No, he's criticizing the guy. Because he's mad that Elijah Cummings is spending all this time ripping on border security. And Trump's point is, hey, spend look at what's going on close to home, pal. You're living in a glass house and you should not be throwing stones. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, hold on. We discuss in just a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. I, I'm, just, I'm tired of the race card being played. You can argue that President Trump lowers himself when he gets into a peeing match with this congressman, you know, out of Baltimore. But to say, well, it's got to be racist because you're criticizing a black congressman or you're pointing out that the congressman's district is a nightmare. I'm sorry. I don't buy the, you know, you overplay the race card. And that's what I think happened here. Jim on the north side. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. I want to say that I agree with you 1,000%. I, I first heard about it this weekend. I, 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 just, I just stumbled on it on YouTube, this, this little meeting with Elijah Cummings right. blasting this director, and, and I let it go. It was upsetting. It didn't seem right at the time, but I let it go. Then I heard the ABC News broadcast about how President Trump is racist because he's, he fired off these tweets. And I'll give ABC a little bit of credit because the reporter was asked, well, why do you think he said this? And she said, well, it might be related to a, uh, a Fox News broadcast about right. conditions in Baltimore. So then I went to Google and I simply typed in living conditions in Baltimore. Yeah. Right away pops up these 
video clips about this yeah. African-American reporter and what she found, okay? And then in the, in the same time, there was this information about Jay Tapper, this anchor from, I think, CNN, and he was interviewing uh, Bernie Sanders, and he ignored anything about yeah. this, this situation in Baltimore. Yeah. And then they quoted Bernie Sanders as to what he said in 2015. So it's outrageous. Right, yeah. Bernie Sanders says it's like a third world country, and nobody says anything about that. Then, it, then it's not racist. But when it's Donald Trump, no, no thanks to call the look. And, and I, I guess what, the, the problem is, look, the truth hurts. And, and I, I take no pride in this. Like I say, I'm, I'm, I was born in Baltimore, and you know, you go back to the area where my grandparents lived and all, and it's a war zone. It, it's just an absolute war zone. You watch the HBO show The Wire, which is probably ten plus years old, if not more than that, and and it hasn't changed. I mean, the educational system is a mess, the crime system is a mess, and I'm not saying that there aren't good people there that are trying to turn these things around, but it, it's the district is not good. And Trump's point, whether he should have been making it or not, was that, hey, you know, Mr. Congressman, you're full of bombast and you're loud and you're screaming at this guy about border security um, where you're not really offering any constructive solutions. But maybe, you know, when you go back and drive into Baltimore, maybe you should be spending, you know, more, more time, you know, dealing with that. But Again, it, it's the idea of playing the race card. And what's happening in America nowadays is apparently, you know, because it's a black congressman and because it's a major, majority minority district, you, you can't you can't criticize. You can't criticize the congressman's remarks. You can't criticize the district. Well, nuts to that. I mean, that's that's the, he. What Trump is talking about is the reality that's there. And I'm not going to defend other things that he might have said. And you know, was this racist or not? But in this particular case, when Elijah Cummings decides that he wants to get all the attention by being the lightning rod for the border, I think whether the president should have been the one to do it or not. But it's fair to say, okay, have you looked at where you come from, huh? And, and, you know, what, you've been in Congress for 26 years. You know, what have you done for the district? Let's talk to Van in Milwaukee. Van, you're on WTMJ. Yes, hi. Hi, Van. Uh, yeah, hi. Um, I used to, turn your screen, I, I used to live in uh, Maryland for about 17 years. I'm mm-hmm. um, familiar with Baltimore from where you're from and stuff, and I do agree. Those rural houses have really gone downhill a lot, and... Uh, I used to work for a communications place down in downtown Baltimore, and I have to go out to to various customer sites around the city and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, even at the train station where I had to go there and stuff like that, I had to give a guy a dollar to wash my car yeah. so it wouldn't get broken into. So I agree with you 100% also that uh, I think uh, this uh, congressman should be pay more attention to his district it's right. really gone bad. It's gone downhill. Uh, my son works in uh, in Baltimore at right. this restaurant and stuff, and they got broken into a couple weeks right. ago. Yeah, it's it, just, uh, it's no, just everything, you know. It, I mean, it is no. It. I mean, they, they, all I got to say is they again. The, the numbers are they have mur- more murders this year in Baltimore, not per capita, more total murders. Thirty-two more mur- murders there than in New York City, a city that's fourteen times larger. And I mean, that tells you all that you need to know. And again, it, it, the whole thing breaks my heart because again, I, I grew up. We moved here when I was like ten years old, but I know Baltimore pretty well. But it's it's not good. 
And, you know, this, I mean, I don't want to turn this into this larger conversation about, you know, years and years of progressive, you know, the, the liberal, you know, administration has done absolutely nothing, Democrat presidents, Republican presidents, to, you know, make the condition better. The truth is, you, you could say this about a number of other communities as well. You know, Nancy Pelosi, look around downtown San Francisco. You look at what San Francisco has become, and you could say, hey, uh, Congresswoman Pelosi, maybe you should be spending more time worrying about all the problems going on in your district than complaining about, you know, what's going on at the border. I guess, you know, again, whether or not President Trump should have injected himself into this or not, reasonable people can disagree. Um, I'm sure he gets kind of irritated by saying, okay, I've got this blowhard, you know, who's yelling at my guy. And, you know, yes, we're, we're doing the best we can, given a crisis with thousands and thousands of people, you know, swarming across the border on a daily basis um, for assist, dealing with a system that was never equipped to deal with this. Whereas you've been representing Baltimore for 26 years and conditions, if anything, have gotten marketably worse during your tenure. All right. Should he have engaged? Reasonable people can disagree. But playing the race card, I'm sorry, I just don't think it applies. Here's a text, Jeff. The truth hurts. That's why they have to use the race card. Even uh, Congressman Cummings' constituents have come out and complained about the conditions in their community. Um, Yes, 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 yes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, very glad to have you with us. All right. It seems like it is deja vu. Currently, there are uh, about 30, 31 actually, school districts in the state of Wisconsin that currently use Native American nicknames and or mascots. Now, if this sounds like, hey, this is a debate 2010 is calling. We're we're here in 2019. Why is this becoming an issue? Well, here's the history. In 2010... Jim Doyle, kind of on the way out of office, signed a bill that allowed the State Department of Public Instruction, this would be subsequently run by Tony Evers, to begin a review process if a complaint was received that a school's nickname, mascot, or logo was offensive. Under the law, the, the district then had to prove that the mascot was not offensive if one person filed a complaint. So what you had was that this rush of, you know, all you needed was the one aggrieved person to come forward and say, I'm offended by Maguanago Indians. And the presumption in the law was, yes, the mascot has to go. All right. Well, all right. That created a huge uproar. A number of communities said, no, the, the, the Native American nickname or whatever isn't offensive. And this idea that there's now a presumption that if one whiner decides they want it to go, it's got to go. That in itself is offensive. So Scott Walker takes over as governor. And in 2013, the legislature passes and Governor Walker signs a new law that essentially rolled back. The, the law that Jim Doyle had signed into place. Um, the new law says that, first of all, you know, any complaints filed had to include a petition signed by community members equivalent to 10% or more of the school district's student population. So it wasn't just one person. You had to have a significant number of people in the community that complained. And then, you know, it set sort of different standards, reversing the presumption and things like that. So th- this issue has largely, I thought, gone away. Now, over the years, 
a number of school boards have made the decision that all right, we're we're going to we're going to do away with the Native American mascots. Right, we, we're just we're going to do that on our own. We're going to move on. Like I say, currently though, there are thirty one. 31 school districts, schools or school districts, that are using Native American mascot names. Let me give you a couple um, from around here. You've got the Berlin Indians. You've got the Fort Atkinson Blackhawks. You've got the Kewaskum Indians. You've got the Menominee Falls Indians, the Mishicot Indians, the Mosinee Indians, the Maguanago Indians. Right, this is a test group producing the show today and always. Do you know what Maguanago means? You know, that's a that's a Native American term. You do not. It means like home of the bear. Have you ever been to Maguanago? You have never you've never been to Maguanago. You've got to add that on your list. But if you drive through Maguanago, I would be willing to bet that more than fifty percent of the streets are named after have Native American names on them. So I mean it's it's not just it's not just the Maguanago Indians, it's the name Maguanago and it's all the street names. So lots of Native American stuff. You've got the Muskego Warriors, you've got the Ozaki Warriors, that's Fredonia, Potosi Chieftains, Prairie Duchene, Blackhawks, it goes on the Stockbridge Indians, the Tomahawk Hatchets, the Wanakee Warriors, the Wyawaga Fremont Indians, the Wisconsin Dells Chiefs, etc., etc. You get the idea. But a number of school boards over the years have decided to do away with this as well. I bring this up because 2010 is calling, and they want its issue back. The Madison School District is joining in with Wausau. Supporting a resolution, and they hope that this is going to be presented to the Wisconsin Association of School Boards, and the resolution calls on the state, calls on the state to pass a law. The resolution states the use of mascots, logos, and nicknames depicting Native Americans establishes an unwelcome, divisive, and hostile learning environment for Native American students and affirms negative stereotypes that are promoted in mainstream society. And the resolution calls for the state to do what it essentially did in 2010, which is outlaw the use of these nicknames, logos, mascots. So no more, if this were to pass, no more Muskego Warriors, no more Mosini Indians, no more Maguanago Indians. No more Berlin Indians. No more Belmont Braves. You get the idea. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I thought this issue was put to rest in 2013. And I think the way it is handled now is appropriate. If you have a large number of members of the community who are troubled by this, all right, the law allows them a way to bring this to the attention of the school. On top of that... You know, school boards change. If people, if people, for example, in Maguanago are, are worked up about this and think it is unfair and think this is so destructive to the community and you need to change, well, it's easy. Run for school board. Make that your agenda. Say, hey, I'm, I'm running for school board. I think that we should be the, you know, Maguanago happy wanderers as opposed to the Maguanago Indians. Nothing is stopping local school boards from making this change. I don't think the state of Wisconsin has any business at all, though once again saying, you know, we're going to decide that, for example, if you're doing this in McGuanago, it's regardless of 
the fact that Maguanago is a Native American name. We think that it's automatically divisive and a hostile learning environment. I don't think the state has any business doing this. Local communities, if you want to do it, go with God. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do we really want to revisit this fight from 10 years ago? Is it constructive? Is it necessary? Is it political correctness run amok? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. All right, folks, 2010 is calling. It wants its issue back. The Madison School Board pushing to have a resolution passed which would call for the state legislature to once again pass a law which would prohibit school districts from having Native American nicknames and or mascots. That was the case. Jim Doyle signed that law into effect on his way out of office in 2010. It was reversed. And now, apparently, it is back. 414-799-1620. And for all those of you who live in McGuanago, I mean, it, I, I, see, I just question this whole premise, this idea that, oh, we're, because we call, we're called ourselves the McGuanago Indians, that's, that's derisive, that's disrespectful, that's, um, again, not honoring any sort of traditions, that's mocking Native Americans. I don't accept that. I just don't buy that. To me, in many cases, if not most, this is, again, it's a solution that is looking for a problem. Renata in New Berlin, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi. If this is truly offending Native Americans, then I say go with God. But I truly believe this is more a case of people having way too much time in their hands and they need something new to gripe about or something old to gripe about. Yeah, yeah, so, right, I know, I see, I, I, right, I'm, I'm with it. I mean, I'm, I, I agree with you because I think, and again, there, there's not one person that speaks for the Native American community either. And the Native American community is very, very split on this. Do, can you have mascots or logos which are clearly meant to be mocking and derisive. Yet, yes, you can. But I think if you talk to people, for example, in in Maguanago, what they would tell you is they're proud of of the nickname and the mascot Indians. There's nothing demeaning about that at all. I I I think that more than being derogative, I think it's a way of honoring yes. the Indian heritage. I I I don't see yes. There can be mocking, absolutely. Sure. There's mocking in everything in the, in the world today. But I, I truly believe it's a way of honoring the heritage. And like well, I said, people with too much time on their I, hands. I, right. I mean, it's not right. just this topic. <laughs> right. No, no. Right. Thanks. I mean, again, trying to. All right. What? What do, no, so for example, to your point, Renee, you know the people in the people in in Madison, right? You, if a local school board feels that way, you know, we we think that this is wrong, and we think that there's a substantial percentage of our community who are going to be offended by this, or pretend they're offended, or whatever. There is nothing at all that stops a local school board from making that decision. Hey, we're changing our mascot. They get to do that, and, and I'm and I'm 100 percent behind that. My only point is, I don't think you need a state law. You don't need the people in Madison telling the people in Menominee Falls, you know, what what is and isn't offensive or derisive or whatever. You don't need 
bunch of politicians, you know, from Dane County saying, well, we don't think McGuanago, we don't think that you're doing the right thing. Now, again, if the community of McGuanago feels that way, they have a chance to do that. You know, the school board can change it. You know, school officials can change it. And, you know, if you've got people that feel that strongly about it, make this the issue. Run for school board. Get yourself elected and then make the change. Jeff in Sockville. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Yes, hello. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, part Cherokee, and uh, I have no uh, gripes with, uh, you know... With, with the Native American any... mascot. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I actually think that it's uh, very, you know, appropriate and uh, kind of keeps our heritage in the forefront. Um, I do feel that, uh, you know, there are maybe some communities that could use that in a derogatory way. Sure. And it's up to the communities to, uh, you know, change that on their own. But I agree with you. A state law is not necessary. Right. Well, I mean, let's think of, I, I think of the Cleveland Indians, like the, the logo. They had the, the chief whatever, I think they called him, you know, the, and, and which was kind of a caricature of a Native American. I understand why people would find that to be offensive, and the, and the Indians have kind of done away with that. But, you know, if you look at the Menominee Falls Indians, or in particular the Maguanago Indians, they're not using caricatures. I mean, they're, it's, I mean, they're proud of their Indian heritage, hence the name Maguanago. They're proud of the Native American heritage. They're they're not using it to be derisive or embarrassing or anything like that. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. And again, I mean, and I wonder, and I, I raise this question, I raise it seriously, because, for example, I've got a texter, Jeff. I am part Native American. I feel it is an honor to have teams named after the Native Americans, you know? And I, I guess I, that's it. Who gets... Who gets to be offended? I mean, you know, who gets to decide? Clearly, I mean, I think we could all agree that there are certain, for example, ethnic or racial terms which are out of bounds, all right? But but again, who who's the one that gets to be offended by this? And if you have, for example, you know, people who, you know, have a substantial percentage of Native American blood, and they're not offended, all right? I mean, it's not like there's this universal sort of thing. That's why I say leave it up to local control. If this is an issue and if people in Maguanago are, are offended by this and they're embarrassed by the team's nickname or whatever, or they think it has the wrong connotation, change it. Fine. But again, I, I don't, I don't want the legislature or Governor Tony Evers deciding that, hey, I'm going to tell Maguanago or I'm going to tell Menominee Falls or I'm going to tell Michicot. I'm going to tell you people what you should and should not be offended by. I just I reject that entire concept. Um, Kiwaskum, you know, same thing. All these different districts, you should get to decide. And that's what the 2013 law that undid what Jim Doyle did. That's what it's all about. You've got some of these school districts that are trying to resurrect this issue. Again, to me, to me, it is, as I describe, it is a, you know, solution that's looking for a problem. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right, this is an interesting story, and I'm curious as to your reaction to it. In Dane County, there is a 32-year-old guy. He's in his second term as a state representative. His name is Jimmy Anderson. He is extremely liberal. He's part of, like, the Dane County progressive movement and, and all that. Very, very liberal. This is his second term in the state assembly. 
has a an interesting and kind of a tragic backstory. He's 32 now. Uh, when he was 26, a drunk driver blows through a, a stop sign or a red light, slams into a car that he is in. It contains his father and his brother. His father is the guy who who runs the red light or whatever is drunk. Uh, his father, who's in the car, his father is killed. His brother is killed. He, at the age of 26, um, is, is severely injured. He is now a quadriplegic, right? Is confined to to a wheel, wheelchair. Just, you know, a, just a horrible sort of thing. He was just, I believe, starting his final year at UW Law School. So uh, he always been interested in politics. He runs for the legislature, and he's elected in 2016. And again, he represents an extremely liberal district. He's part of the Democrat caucus and things like that. And he's a quadriplegic. He's confined to a, a wheelchair. And obviously, as you might expect, you know, having this disability, it, it, you have to have, I, you have, again, put aside politics. You just got to respect people who are, you know, you know, dealing with the, these challenges. I mean, life in general is enough of a challenge for most of us. Plus, you know, imagine all, all these different things. You, you know, you throw that in. And so in adapting to being in the legislature, there, there have been issues which arose. And sometimes there, there's, I think there's nothing you can do anything about. For example, when the legislature was doing these like late night sessions, he would say that they shouldn't be able to be in session at late nights because he can only be in his wheelchair for so long, et cetera, et cetera. So he had that complaint. Now this is one of his issues. What he wants to be able to do is he wants to be able to participate in committee meetings by, by phone. He says, look, it, it's tough for me to get to some of these meetings. Now, we're not talking about legislative sessions or, or votes. These are these committee meetings that he's on. He says, it's tough for me, you know, to get to some of these committee meetings in person. It's just hard to get around, um, you know, under these circumstances. And he says, what I would like to be able to do is I would be, I'd like to be able to participate electronically, speaker phone or whatever. I want to be able to phone in to these committee meetings so I can participate without having to be there in person. Now, the Senate and the Assembly each set their own rules on how they conduct meetings. The Senate, by the way, allows members to phone into committee meetings. So if you're on a committee on transit or whatever and you're in I don't know, you're in Bayfield and you're on that committee, and rather than driving to Madison to participate in this committee meeting, if, if you want to, and you're in the Senate, you want to call in, you can call in, and you can participate, and you can ask questions, you can participate, but you do it by speakerphone. The Assembly does not allow that by their rule, and as a general rule, that you know, there, there's exceptions to this. And he's saying, hey, I think this is discriminatory. It's, it's making it difficult for me to do the job, and you should have to accommodate me. Now, under the Americans with Disabilities Act, employers have to do reasonable accommodations to deal with people with disabilities. There's a significant legal issue as to whether a state legislature would be governed by that because, as a general rule, they get to make their own rules. And that's an issue of employment law, which is way over my head. You know, I I don't know that one way or the other. Um, Robin Voss, who I consider to be a friend, who I like a lot, he's the Speaker of the Assembly. He says, no, you know, we're we're not going to, you know, change change the rules. He said, uh, you know, we're not going to do it. And his big argument is, as he said, you know, we we think that, you know, having – 
having people show up, having the legislatures legislators actually be there in person, um, we think that that's that's important. He says it comes down to the fact that I this would be you know, uh, Representative Voss, think it's disrespectful for someone to be asking questions over a microphone or a speakerphone when individuals are taking time out of their day to come and testify in person. So he says, I, I just, I think as a matter of respect, state, you know, the, the representative should be there. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Should the guy be allowed to call in? And maybe this larger point, you know, should state representatives be able to do like they do in the Senate, which is, as a general rule, be able to participate, you know, over the phone? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If I were Speaker Voss, I'd accommodate the guy. And, And I just, when I first started practicing law way back in the day, you know, all these courts all across the state used to require attorneys to have to appear in person. So maybe it was only a 15-minute scheduling conference. You know, you would have to, or have some associate, you know, you'd have to get in your car and drive from Milwaukee to Wausau, or, you know, hire at your client's expense, you know, a a local attorney up in Wausau to go in and go into the courthouse and sit in a 15-minute scheduling conference where, you know, all all they did is said, okay, these are the trial dates, et cetera, et cetera, and you move on. It was an incredible waste of time for people to have to drive to Wausau from Milwaukee or vice versa for those type of things. And and now, as a general rule, the courts have wisened up, and and you can participate in, you know, these, these routine sort of things. You can participate over the phone. And, you know... You know, given given all the electronic advances that are there, and it's much more efficient. Now, obviously, there are some things that I think you need to be there in person for, whether it's, you know, lawyers with a hearing or whether, you know, it's, you know, to participate, you know, on the floor for votes or things like that. But he's not asking to be allowed to participate via speakerphone or be able to vote remotely. Right now, he's just saying, hey, I'd like to be able to participate in some of these hearings when it's difficult for me to get there. And candidly, I don't think there's any reason not to accommodate him. I guess that's my take. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess I just, I'm trying to think if I were testifying in front of some committee there, there's some bill out there and i'm participating and you've got you know a handful of state representatives that are are there and one or two are participating in this case the, the only one who's asking for this is is him and if we're accommodating somebody because he's a quadriplegic and it's difficult for get him to get around i mean if i'm the witness I'm not going to be offended. I, it just okay. That that's fine. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I just don't think this is. I don't think this is a hill that that we should be fighting about. It, it's the Senate does it. It's easy. It's efficient, and plus. With all due respect to the people making these decisions, given the fact that the state representative is a quadriplegic and Lord knows is dealing with enough issues in life, you you make it easier for him to do his job. You know why don't why don't we allow that? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, this is an easy one to say yes to. Um, let's start with Paul in Delafield. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Paul. Uh, attorney Paul Booker. How oh, hi, you? Paul. Nice to talk to you. Nice to, nice to hear you again. Um, I, I always tempted to call in, but this one, when I read it, is 
Jeff, uh, we go back a long way, and this is an ADA waiting to happen. Right. And uh, I'm not partisan. I'm a diehard Republican, but this is ridiculous. Uh, I do scheduling conferences by phone. Right. You know, and, and they do pleas now, but Jeff, by phone and misdemeanors. Right. You can do a plea without your client uh, <laughs> by phone. Right. Um, well, yeah, I guess I just don't, right, I'm, see, I'm with you, Paul. I just don't see the, I, I don't see what the issue is here. And it, it just, it's more efficient. He can participate. He can represent his district. We have this thing called technology. We have the phones. We have the yeah. speaker phones. We, we, we have, you know, Skype. We have all these different things that you can participate. This is a, this is a slam dunk. I read it in the, the urinal this morning, as I call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but. It's a slam dunk, ADA. Uh, right. If if uh, Robin Voss doesn't, and I I like Robin, but if he doesn't get to it, um, this will be an easy one. Uh, and, this, and the government uh, and the taxpayers are going to have to pay. And and it's sad. Uh, this guy has yeah. a sad back story. And I mean, these are committee hearings. You've yeah. been there, and I've been there. They're they're meaningless. Uh, it's not a it's not a floor vote. Right, exactly. No, th- thanks to call. That's uh, former Waukesha County Attorney, uh, Waukesha County District Attorney Paul Booker, an old friend. Yeah, I mean, it's just to, to me, this isn't a political thing. To me, this is just kind of a, a common sense thing. And I, you know, I try to look at these issues and I try to see, well, okay, what's the other side of this? If if you allow him to participate in in these committee meetings by conference call, does that mean you have to change the rules so he can avoid floor votes and things like that? Well, okay, let's take that up one step at a time. But to me, just you know, throw out the olive branch. I mean, let him participate by by a speakerphone, like you know, Paul Booker was saying, and like I was saying, you know, this is completely changing the practice of law. It's just much more efficient. It's a much better management of time, and and I just I don't see the downside to accommodating this guy who, like I say, has a, a very tragic and compelling sort of backstory. If it makes it easier for him to do this, why not? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Adam in West Bend. Adam, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. What do you think? Um, I, I think you know people uh, in general are afraid to break uh, make exceptions because they're afraid that. And you're going to set a whole new precedent, right. and every, you're going to have to accommodate everybody. I, I always say nuts to that. Why, why can't you just – there may be some wisdom to have the committee members and, and to keep the rule even, but I agree. Right. Why not just make this use some good old-fashioned wisdom and say, in this instance, right. this makes sense. Right. Well, and, and again, I come back to the fact that the, the state Senate allows this. You, you don't have to have a disability. You know, if you're if you're my friend Alberta Darling and you want to participate in a committee meeting for whatever reason, you, you can be in Florida and you want to participate in a commu- committee meeting via speakerphone. You can do it. You know, you don't even have to have a disability. And, and the state isn't falling apart. No, but and I'm saying, you know, even if you, right. even if you find that there's some wisdom in having if the, if the assembly wants to continue to run that way, fine. You, you, but you can make an exception without having to worry about, right. oh, now we got to accommodate everybody. Well, well, right, right. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. I mean, you look at it on a case-by-case basis. And, and, and by the way, if he was pushing for – there are other things where I might take a different position on this. For example, I mean, the rule is the floor votes have to be there in person. If you were to say, well, okay, does this mean that he should be able to not have to participate in the floor votes, not be there in person? My reaction to that might be different, you know, if, if that issue were to come up. But these are these are committee meetings. I would think it would be a boon to everybody to, you know, allow people, you know, 
and 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 maybe even the taxpayers to say, okay, if the choice is, you know, having you've got a, one committee meeting that's scheduled that day, do you have to drive? An hour and a half to attend the meeting, or can you just log on via speakerphone? Why Why wouldn't we allow him to do this? 414-799-1620. Let me take a break. Then we're going to take a couple more calls on this. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. A number of people, or at least a handful, are texting in saying, no, the rules say you should attend meetings in person. Don't run for a position that requires attendance. I have some sympathy for a situation, Jeff, but as you say, life is tough. Get a helmet. Well, actually, what the representative says is that, you know, when he first ran for office, I don't think he appreciated. He said, I, I didn't appreciate how, how difficult some of this stuff was going to be. And again, I understand that there are certain aspects of the job that you got to be there in person for. But to me... Committee hearings, given the fact that there's technology that's involved, I see nothing wrong with our working out a setup where he could either participate via web conferencing. I mean, I okay, continue be it. Keep your law license. My law license is active. It means every two years you got to get thirty hours of continuing legal education credit. Used to be that you'd have to go out and sit in person in these seminars. Well, now they have webcasts. You can sit at home or your desk or your office, you know, whatever, and you could just log in and you can watch it. And you can participate, you know, via webcast. Technology allows us to do that. I don't understand why, in this case, we can't make an exception for the man. Sue and Rippin. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Sue. I'd like to take this from a different perspective altogether, and I know the the ADA is there and everything else, but from a taxpayer viewpoint, we pay mileage for those legislators to go to Madison. We pay a per diem, et cetera. Right. If they could all stay home (laughs) and call in to committee meetings, yeah. I understand four votes is different, but if we could reduce the number of times that they're driving from Eau Claire and Superior yeah. and Door County and Prairie du Chien, et cetera, right. wouldn't we as taxpayers be better off and that would be a better use of our resources? I, you know, so that, I mean, the congregation says amen. I mean, it, again, we, we have, you know, we think about, think about your workplace. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but we, we do lots of stuff, you know, that's either video conferencing or conference calls or whatever. This isn't some like sort of black magic voodoo. It's 2019. And, you know, in the private sector, in the real world, lots of stuff is conducted that way. Now, if the assembly, doesn't want to change the rules for everybody. And I would argue that if it's good enough for the Senate, it's good enough for the Assembly. But if the Assembly doesn't want to change the rules for everybody, okay, that that's fine. But why why not, in this particular case, under these circumstances, you know, why not make that allowance for somebody that clearly you know, has this special need. Now, again, I, I don't know. When we were talking to Paul Booker earlier, he was saying he thinks it's a clear violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about employment law because normally state legislatures get to make their own rules, and I don't know how the in the, the ADA, it clearly applies to private employers. Does it apply, you know, does it apply to state legislatures? I don't know. But regardless of whether the law requires it, it just seems to me that it's the right thing to do, and it's an easy thing to do. And and I, I like Robin Voss. I'm a fan of Robin Voss. Don't get me wrong. But saying no uh, makes makes 
the leader appear petty. And I don't think he, I really, I, regardless of what you feel about Robin Goss, I don't think he's a petty guy. I don't. But this one, it, it makes it appear petty and partisan. This is one where I think just, okay, let him participate, work it out, set it up on video conferencing or a speaker phone or whatever, and then move on. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon. One final thought. There, there's a text that came in during the break that I want to read because I just, I guess I just disagree. No, Melissa, don't you go anywhere. No, no, no. But first, uh, it, it's this text. And we were talking, of course, about the the assemblymen from... Uh, Dane Kitty, who's a quadriplegic, and he wants to be able to participate in committee meetings via speakerphone or, you know, webcast or, or whatever. And the Republican leadership isn't letting him do it. The Senate has a rule that allows people to, to participate in that fashion. Here's the text says, if this man only goes to meetings virtually, he will miss out on more of the important things that anyone in business knows about a meeting. That's taking cues on how people respond to comments within the meeting, as well as talking before and after the meeting. OK, well, that that's all well and good. But but then if that's the problem. Then somebody can run against him and say, well, you know, he's only participating. Now, I don't buy that, by the way. But but um, if if that becomes an issue and affects how he does his job, well, then these, these legislators are up for election every two years. And somebody could run against him and say, hey, he doesn't participate in these meetings in person and he's missing all the important things. And, and then, the, you know, it becomes a campaign issue and the voters decide. I guess I just look and I think participating in meetings and in scheduling conferences and things like that, it's such, you know, using participating via speakerphone or, again, using web cameras and stuff. It is such a common thing nowadays that it seems to me there's no reason there's no reason why the assembly shouldn't allow this period. And especially in a case of somebody who's you know confined to a wheelchair. All right, Melissa, we were talking during the break. Actually, you you were giving like the, my producer stuff you were happens. giving my producer Gru some static because we were playing you know one of those you know homegrown promos <laughs> and you were saying I never hear mine I never hear mine you hear everybody else's I right I do I don't even hear yours no I don't hear mine either but as they pointed out to me. Um, you wouldn't expect to hear mine during my own show, which is a fair enough thing. And so That's true. My, the, the dig I was getting is obviously you need to be listening to the station more or else you would hear it, right? Gru, that's what he say. Right? Exactly. Okay, I do listen to the station. I, I have, you know, I, I I do listen to the station. I was thinking I, mine's probably playing overnight where no one can, <laughs> where nobody hears well, it. Well, I, I, I mean, I have, I do listen to the station. I, I, my, my routine nowadays, I'm very, I get, I get up, the alarm goes off at 6.30. I go right across, the gym is right across the street. I go, I've been walking a couple miles every day. That's awesome. It is. And it just, it's actually, I found what my rhythm is because it's tough for me, like, after work to, you know, go and change clothes and stuff. This is great. I roll out of bed, pull on a sweatshirt, pull on a pair of sweatpants or whatever, go across the, the place nice I work out is, is five minutes away, mm-hmm. do a couple miles on the treadmill, come back and then take the shower and stuff. I, I'm into this routine. And so I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm I'm hoping I can keep it up. But yeah, but it's working. But but then but I am listening to the station for a good portion of the morning. But I mentioned I hadn't heard yours either. So because we're both curious and because we don't want it playing overnight, let us hear the homegrown promo for my dear friend, Melissa Barkley. Fire it up. 
So I really love Milwaukee. I actually live in Shorewood, just a small suburb right outside the city. WGMJ's Melissa Barclay. I love the fact that I'm so close to everything. I literally live blocks away from great food, great beverage places, brunch places, and really great shopping areas. And there's always something fun to do, especially in the summer. There's festivals down the road, only a couple miles. You can take a lift, go down there. And I especially love being by Lake Michigan. We are homegrown. WGMJ. Oh, that's that sounds pretty, nice. That sounds like pretty that good. One. Right, absolutely. That's, is there, that is there more than one? Got to say, that was my first time hearing it and saying the, the two words, beverage places. That is a, a fun little <laughs> runaround well, from a... Right, as, as opposed to like bars or taverns exactly. or, beverage or whatever. Beverage places. Well, I love coffee, so it could oh. be a coffee shop. Okay, all right. And I like living close okay. to well, coffee shops. Okay, well, well, there, you, you have, oh, you thanks. know, it's... it's it's 10 after 2. You can, so you've loved. got your promo. Well, yeah. you, you, you are. Well, we thanks. adore you on this program. Okay, there <laughs> there you go. We're not going to play mine. Mine, I'm sure, airs some point in time, you know, so that's, we'll, we'll figure that out. Everybody knows my backstory, anyways. Been here for a long time and love this area. This, I don't know what to make of this story, but it seems to me there. <laughs> There has to be some connection, even though authorities are saying no. All right, they have. They are now saying that since Friday afternoon, between Friday afternoon and Monday morning, 14 people in Milwaukee County died of overdose deaths. I, I, let, let me just let that hang out in the air. I mean, Friday afternoon... Through the weekend, 14 people die of overdose deaths. 14 people. I mean, that that is an enormous number. I mean, if you were to have one person that, that died of an overdose death, you, you would argue that that was, was a lot. But 14 is absolutely staggering now we, we don't have the details about this and you know we, we don't know you know what were people injecting heroin or whatever right now the they're saying the majority of the deaths occurred in the city of milwaukee they say um that they they don't think that they're related to each other um except for um a man and a woman 600 block of north plankinton avenue on saturday night um but but Aside from you know those two who you know died together, they don't know that they're they're related. I guess I, I have two thoughts on this. Number one, what the hell is going on? I mean, I mean seriously, you know, fourteen people dead over the space of forty-eight or seventy-two hours of drug overdoses in Milwaukee. Fourteen people. That is a st- that is a mind-boggling and almost unbelievable number. Secondly. It's almost impossible for me to figure out that there, to believe that there's not some relationship. Is is there bad heroin that is out on the streets? Is there? I mean, what what is going on? You would almost think that to get that number of that number of drug overdoses, that people would be out there, you know, buying dope and 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 maybe it's bad dope or it's overly strong dope or surprisingly strong dope. I mean, I just. I understand we have an opioid crisis in in this country. I I, I get it. I, I understand it, and we have an opioid crisis in this community. I understand all that, but fourteen people dying. 
that's that is mind boggling. And you're talking to somebody who, you know, spent a, a number of years, you know, chasing drug dealers back when I worked in the U.S. attorney's office. You just don't hear these kind of numbers. And every once in a while, you know, like I say somebody gets bad heroin or you, you know, you ingest, uh, you know, methamphetamine and you have a bad reaction to it or you did crack cocaine or whatever. But 14 in this community over three days. I, I appreciate that the authorities are saying they appear unrelated. It's just intuitively, it's almost impossible for to me to believe that they could be unrelated. And I mean, I just, I, I wonder, is there bad dope going around or more potent dope or whatever? I, it's, you just gotta wonder about that for this large number. Whether there is or whether there isn't. I mean, if, if anybody needed to have like a giant red flag or this cautionary tale that's up there talking about how dangerous it is, dangerous it is to use drugs, 14 people dead in three days. So, um, again, mom and dad, this is, this is perhaps that time that once again you sit down and you have the come to Jesus talk with your kids and you say 14 people died of, of drug overdoses. And, you know, in, in many cases, it probably is people who were like regular users or whatever. But the bottom line message is don't start on this crap because this, this is where this this ends up and i will be curious as to you know the the when they do the autopsies and you know maybe we will find that this is all completely unrelated and maybe it'll be a couple people got some bad heroin and injected too much and a couple people did this or that or the other thing but th- th- this should be a screaming headline because something is going on in this community of 14 people died and it's not good it, it's just not good and i wish I, I do i have an answer as to how to stop people from doing it no other than there's got to be something going on, whether it's potency or bad drugs or just something that should scare the heck out of anybody from from going out and buying drugs or or whatever. Fourteen people dead. And again, I know I'm repeating myself, but that's 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 mind boggling. I just I mean, I don't. Back when I was chasing drug dealers, I don't know that we would have had 14 overdose deaths in a year. And I'm being serious about that. I don't know that we had had 14 overdose deaths in a year. We had 14 overdose deaths in Milwaukee County alone over one weekend. Huh. If there was ever a reason to do what Nancy Reagan did and just say, say no to drugs, this, this is that reason. All right. When we come back, I want to lighten up the mood a little. I have an intriguing vacation question, I think, for you. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. A texter makes a point. Jeff, you were saying bad heroin. Is there good heroin? No. But my point was, I mean, you wonder sometimes, is there tainted heroin? Um, is there, no, there is no such thing as good heroin. I agree with that. But what I mean is, you know, sometimes you have, I don't know, heroin that's been cut with certain types of you know adulterants that end up being poison or whatever that's the thing you don't know who you're buying stuff from you don't know the quality it's not like gee you're going to a pharmacy and you're getting a dose of something um you know sometimes what happens is you get drugs that are of a potency that you're not used to and you, you think gee this is 12 percent and instead it's 85 percent and you end up you know overdosing in that regard no stay away from drugs just just Stay away. And 14 deaths in the last couple days over this weekend, that should convince you to do it. All right, let me switch gears. Is it weird for grown-ups to go to Disney World without kids or Disneyland 
without kids. Now, I, I, I asked this question because there was an interesting piece in, in USA Today, and this is something that's big on Twitter. I, um, I've been to Disney World. I've been to Disneyland, too, but I've been to Disney World on multiple occasions. I have, when I was younger, by younger I mean like in my 20s, um, you know, I, I went with some buddies of mine to Florida, and we stopped off at Disney World for a day. As I have grown older, I have gone to Disney World, but it has always been in conjunction with with kids. Uh, my my brother has a timeshare at Disney World, and he would take my niece and nephew there. And we wouldn't go every year. They they used to go like almost every year, but you know maybe every other year or something. You know we would go down, and you know we'd we'd spend at least a few days down there. But but it was all centered around the kids. Um, you know, going to the theme parks and and things like that. Would I, would I go to Disney World by myself, or would I say to my wife, Fran, honey, let's, you know, we're looking to spend some time, you know, for a week. Let's just you and me go to Disney World. And my answer is, I probably wouldn't do that. I didn't get the roller coaster gene in our family. And while I think Disney World is, is good for what it is, to me, it's basically a place that you go to with kids. But I know people go there as adults. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I am genuinely curious. This wouldn't be for me, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't be for someone else. All right. Is it weird for adults to visit Disneyland, Disney World without kids? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Would you choose it for a vacation to go on? Again, if you weren't going down with your children or your niece or your nephew or your grandchildren or anything like this, would you go there as an independent vacation? My answer would be, I, I don't think so. And, and even if I had gotten the roller coaster gene in our family, I think there would be other amusement parks that I would be more inclined to go to. But I am curious, 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, like I say, I'm, I'm a fan of Disney, but to me, for adults, there's more interesting and better places to go, even if you're into the amusement park stuff. To me, Disney is a magical place, but it's primarily for kids. But would you go on your own? 414-799-1620. Let me give Gru a chance to line up the calls. We're back to talk about it in just a minute. This is a huge debate going on on Twitter right now, according to USA Today. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right, it's a hot Twitter debate. Would you go to the Disney parks, Disneyland, Disney World, as an adult without kids? All right, let's start with Marsha in Milwaukee. Marsha, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, adults only at Disney World. What do you think? Absolutely. My husband and I love to go there. Uh, dinners at Epcot around the world. Okay. I, there's nothing like it. Okay. We, uh, we winter down in Florida, so we have an annual pass. Okay. And, and we have to put up with the smaller children, too, so they should have to put up with the older people <laughs> going also. Well, okay, besides, I mean, but besides the, the restaurants at Epcot and stuff, I mean, do you go on the rides and things like that? Uh, yes, we do. Okay, all right. I am not a big roller coaster person, Um my husband does that more, and and our adult children, uh, they're 30 and 25, love to go there with us. Okay. All right. Um, well, it, it works. No, okay. Thank you. I don't see anything 
outside. Well, no, there's nothing. Don't, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It, it, I mean, it's I've always been. Well, if you're annual pass holders, you're not necessarily staying on property. I've I've always been struck by how expensive it is. No, we absolutely stay on property. Oh, you stay on property too? Okay. Yeah, so much more convenient. Right to take that. All right, no, thank. We live in the Tampa area. Oh, I got it. Okay, thanks for no. Okay, so I, I mean, it gets it's. See, I understand taking kids. I mean, look, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat up people if that's your idea of entertainment. I like to go to Key West, and some people would say, "Why do you like to go to Key West? What is there to do?" So I get it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right, is it weird to go to Disney World or Disneyland without kids? Kathy in Hartford. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, Disney World or Disneyland without children? Yes, we went there for our honeymoon. <laughs> okay, which hotel? I'm curious. Did you stay on property? Yes, we stayed out uh, the wilderness. Okay. Resorts, and it just was wonderful. We had a great time. No kids. <laughs> just uh, went to Epcot the majority of our time. Ate, yeah, ate at the you know the right. different restaurants. Okay, why of of all the places? I'm just I'm legitimately curious of all the different places that you could go on your honeymoon. Why did you pick Disney World? Why? Yeah. We just. We just love it. Okay. I don't know. I can't explain it. All right. Okay. And my husband doesn't like water, so going someplace on an ocean right. is not something that he wanted to do. So okay. We chose that, and we were there for a week, and we loved it. All right. Fair enough. Thanks. Have you have you been back since? Uh, yes. One other time with our children. Okay. Got it. Okay. Like four and six years old, but. Right. Okay. Got it. Times. No, I think that's what I that's what I that's what I was asking. Um, I, I will tell you when when we used to go down there, um, uh, there was a period of time where it was always in October when they used to have the teachers' conventions. So that's when my brother would take the kids down there, and and we'd go down for a few days. And I <laughs> and then I always made a point the next week. That's when I would go to Vegas. I go to Vegas for a weekend in October to see like Jimmy Buffett and things like that. He always plays there. And I, I do admit, after three or four days in Disney World, if I never see another one of those giant strollers again, it'll be too soon. This is kind of fun. We got a lot of calls. We're going to do this for one more segment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Big story in. USA Today. The question is, is it weird for adults to visit Disneyland or Disney um, World without kids? Twitter fiercely debates. Our first two callers say, hey, we're grown-ups. We love it. One lady went there on her honeymoon. All right, we're back with more of your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Let's go to the WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. It's an interesting kind of conversation. There's no question. Disney World and Disneyland, incredibly successful, great theme parks. I mean, typically you go there with a family. And there's this ongoing debate about whether or not adults would go there by themselves without kids. Now, I mean, it, there, I guess there's no right or wrong answer other than to say that I, that, that wouldn't be me. I mean, I can't say, gee, hun, you know, let's let's go down and let's spend a week or let's spend three days at Disney World. Now, maybe I'm thinking if I was in the Orlando area and you were looking for a day or something, you know, maybe. Now, I didn't get the roller coaster gene in my family, so maybe that's something that, you know, that kicks in there as well. But what about you? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, let me see, uh, let's go to Mary in Sheboygan Falls. Hi, Mary. Hey, this is actually Jeff. Oh, hi, hi, Jeff. Jeff in Fox Point. Hi, Jeff. Hi. So I think they'd be fine for, like, couples or groups of friends, but there's no way that I would go there by myself. 
Um, and the reason why is because I once went to the Science Museum of Minnesota, which has a heavy children and family presence, and I felt really awkward because I and I was afraid to talk to like any <laughs> kids because I I was worried. You didn't want to be that creepy guy by yourself that, that somebody thinks that you're stalking their children. Yeah, like with yeah. Neverland Ranch type intentions, <laughs> and, and and so and I I got a feeling that if I went to Disney World by myself, that would be multiplied <laughs> by like ten. It well, thanks. I mean, I don't. I mean, I guess I don't know. I'm trying to think about the times that I have been there. And, I mean, I don't – I mean, most of the people that I seem to remember seeing are, are there with kids. And even at some of the nicer restaurants, my sense is that, you know, the people that, – that there's somebody that, that, that are watching the kids. Now, again, there, there's no right or wrong. And I, I can see that Epcot, you've got those restaurants and stuff, Epcot – um, more adult oriented than say the Magic Kingdom, but four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Now, Mary in Sheboygan Falls. Hi, Mary. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. And yes, we are going down to Disney World in November. Okay. With my daughter and her husband, with no kids. Okay, so your your daughter and your husband are adults as well. Correct. They're in their fifties. Yes. Okay. Why? I mean, of all the different places well, you could go to vacation, I'm just curious. Well, we were there about twelve years ago, and we took our four kids, and they had and their significant others, so they were, you know, around their forties. So we decided, we decided, and we did everything in Disney World, okay? And we were really tired; everyone right. was exhausted. Well, this time we're going to do Epcot, and then another, you know, section. Right. And um, we're just looking forward to it, relaxing. Okay. And, Huh. Now, see, it's funny because I just don't, I don't think of, I, 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 and I'm not, I'm not knocking Disney World. I'm not. I just, I guess I don't think of it as relaxing. I come back from Disney World and I'm exhausted. <laughs> but, well, maybe it's different without kids. Oh, you know could, I mean? oh no, I absolutely, no, th- thanks for the call. Well, I, I mean, have a great vacation. You know, I'm not trying to discourage his stuff. I just, I, I'm kind of, I'm sort of interested by the whole process. Mike on the Northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, Disney has stuff for adults and kids, but I would not go there without going to Disney with uh with without kids is like going to Vegas with kids. <laughs> it's it's kind of like there's stuff to do in Vegas for adults and kids, but I wouldn't take kids to Vegas and I wouldn't go to Disney World without kids. Yeah. Although, although there is stuff to do at Epcot and stuff, you know, I'll give Disney credit for that. Oh yeah, um, but oh no, I, I like that. I mean, you you would I, I like that's the way I say it. I wouldn't go to Disney without kids, and I wouldn't go to Vegas with kids. I well, I've been. Um it, it, I mean, okay, I actually, my, you know, my brother and his, my niece and nephew, I mean, he, you know, she's, she'll be 21 in January and, uh, you know, my nephew's a little bit younger, but I mean, he's been to Vegas once or twice, but it is, it is a challenge. I mean, yes, there's, there's stuff you can do if you're not of age, but it's, it's definitely, it's tougher to make that happen. Um, but like I say, in all seriousness, there was this period of time I, I'd go to Disney World for three or four days, come back, work for a couple days, and then I'd go out to Las Vegas. It was kind of like the adult Disney World. Dale in Waukesha. Hi, Dale. Hello. How are you doing, sir? I am well, thank you, sir. Okay, Disney World for adults. Absolutely. My wife and I were just there last week. Okay. Um, tell me why. Well, number one, I mean, using one of their slogans, uh, you know, it's the happiest place on earth. (laughs) And it's a small world, too, right? (laughs) Yes, and we went on the ride. Okay. Uh, It it gives you the ability to kind of step back to your childhood and enjoy the the finer things in life that aren't in the world today. Okay. So, I mean, do you do a lot of the ride? Do you do, do, do roller coasters and stuff like that? 
I'm not the roller coaster one. My my wife did Tower of Terror. But, okay. Uh, I, I do, you know, like Pirates of the Caribbean and uh-huh. Small World. You know, the the, the, the simpler rides. rides. Yeah. Yeah. So, will you when you go there? Will you hang out like in the Magic Kingdom, which is the, mo- the more kid oriented of the three, probably? Well, at, at least for the fireworks. I mean, got to right. be there for the close of the night. Okay. All right. Good enough. All right. Thanks. Well, I mean, it's and again, there, there's no there's no right. There, there's no there's no right or wrong. It's it is interesting because, like I said, if I was down in the area, um, I, I candidly I'd probably be more likely to go to Universal Studios than Disney. But there's nothing wrong with that. Michelle in Germantown. Michelle, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Good afternoon. All right. What do you think? Well, it, it's such a happy place. Okay. Um, <laughs> And it, it just kind of takes everything off your mind, and and it's so beautiful. It's just you can't go wrong as far as all the atmosphere and everything. Okay. And like I had said to the um, person I had spoke with originally, that the technology is just amazing. But are you a ride gal? Do you like to go on a lot of the rides? I go on some of them, but I'm not a roller coaster person either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, okay. Um, so yeah, okay, so tell me, place. so what? Okay, so you go down there without kids. What are some of the things that you do? Um, it would be like the the haunted mansion and okay. the castle itself, um, the Matterhorn. But I don't know if that's still there. I haven't been there for a while. Okay. Um, GE had a really good exhibit where they go through the different centuries and the okay. technology over in Epcot. Um, okay. Right, and then I'd also probably go to Cape Canaveral because you're right there. Okay. Central, Wisconsin, Central Florida. So. Yeah. Got it. Well, no, thanks. I mean, there's a there, again, there's there's just it's there's a there's a lot to do and. It's it, what got me started about this is again the this, this story. There's a big story in USA Today about how you know people are. Matter of fact, some people are saying that one of the big, you know, one one of the big reasons that they want to go back is that they they went they went when their kids were young, and when you go with five year old kids and seven year old kids or whatever. That's a different experience, and you see, like some of these rides and stuff that you really that the kids aren't ready. You know, they're not big enough to go on, or you're spending all your time pushing the kids in a stroller or or running around after them. And some of the people say, "Yeah, we we thought some of this stuff would be kind of cool, and we'd like to go back." No disrespect to children, but we'd like to go back, you know, without kids, so we could kind of enjoy that and say, "Hey, you know, that's the rock and roll roller coaster." Or, I've always wanted to ride Space Mountain, and I didn't get a chance to do it when we were here. And I guess that you know that makes sense. Steve in Oak Creek. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hi. I'm telling you, I, I went there five times last year, and it was both with families, with my wife. I went there alone, and uh, it is a phenomenal place. You know, it's where dreams come true. And you get there, you're, you're a big kid, and I'm telling my son, my adult son, he'd like to go there on a day without kids, <laughs> an adult day at Disney, because... You just have to battle the strollers, right. and small kids, and it's you know. So it's a phenomenal place. I you I, went there I, by I yourself. Going. You you went there by yourself. Yes, <laughs> I did. I went down there. I went down there for some family business, right. and I found a couple days. And I went down there. I did all the things my wife didn't doesn't <laughs> like to do. Space Mountain, uh, uh, rock, uh, rock and roll roller coaster, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, all that stuff. I did everything I wanted to. I didn't. I, I had my Mickey ear ice cream. I was a big kid <laughs> and a phenomenal place. You know, and uh, it's a it's a great place. And I don't know what the hop up is. You know, it's, yeah. just, it, it's where you get to be a kid. And we're going in four weeks again. We're going in four weeks. You, we're so, going to go there. So you've been there. You think you've said five times in the last year? 
No, I went there five times last year. Okay. <laughs> we, had a year we had a yearly pass, so why okay. not go? Yeah. And, uh, but we've been there probably 10, 15 times over, over our kids' uh, lifetime. It's Out, a phenomenal place. Outstanding. Now, thanks. And again, I'm trying to think of, like, and, and, and I get it. Everybody has their different happy places. For me, you know, Key West for a week in February, I just, I mean, I, I love the vibe. I love the atmosphere. Uh, you know, it's, I love sitting by the beach. I love going out to the restaurants. And I guess it's, so it's, it's absolutely no different. All right. We'll take, we'll sneak in one more call. Heath in Green Bay. Heath, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Heath? Okay, lost Heath there. Let me just, uh, let's see. I love going to Disney on my own. I'm 67 and my own, and, and it is relaxing. Um, when I take my 18-month-old grandson, it's not as relaxing. Uh, Jeff, I'm 57. My wife and I are going in January. We have never been there. We just want to see it. Jeff, my friends in Hong Kong and I were going to go to Disneyland there. None of us have any kids. I was the only one who didn't want to go. I just wanted a t-shirt to take a picture and then leave. Turned out to be too hot and too expensive, so we decided against it. But I do think there's nothing wrong with adults going if that is their thing. All right, now here's somebody who confronts me. Fair enough. No, and again, I'm not mocking it. I'm just saying it wasn't for me. Jeff, why would anybody want to see Jimmy Buffett 60 or 70 times? Just saying. And I, I as, as I said, if you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620 I sent out a picture of you know, down at Alpine Valley, and I, I acknowledged I stopped counting after 75 Jimmy Buffett shows. Maybe I've got a problem. But, I, you know, but, uh, but, but, but it's, I, so I understand if you want to go to Disney, I'm not going to uh, judge. Jeff, my husband and I would love to go without our kids. With the increased safety risks in Mexico, Punta Cana, et cetera, I find Disney World always safe and always clean, which makes for a great vacation. So there you have it. If you're looking for a place to go, check out the Magic Kingdom. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. There was really something remarkable that appeared in the local newspaper and, and online. Um, a, a lengthy sort of letter from the editor, George Stanley, um, apologizing for something that the paper did. They used to, and I say used to because they don't do it anymore as a result of this. Uh, on Saturday's green sheet, they would have like a news quiz. And what they would do, if you weren't familiar with this, is they'd, they'd you know, take various items that had been in the news that week and they'd ask a, you know, series of, of questions. You know, what color was the T-shirt of such and such? Or, you know, just different news stories. And, and I think it was kind of a fun thing to play along with. Well, a couple weeks ago when you had the three-year-old girl that was shot in the road rage incident, they used that that story as one of the items in the news quiz. The, the question was kind of like, where you know, where where was she when she was shot and killed? It was just in staggeringly bad taste, <laughs> just in, in staggeringly bad taste. And and to the credit, you know, the editor of Journal Sentinel has you know issued. We're sorry we added to the pain of a grieving family and a community. And they they apologize. This they say you know the the question you know treated this three-year-old girl as an impersonal object of interest in the news rather than a beloved child they apologize they've canceled the news quiz and and look i guess i this is what i think is the interesting story and it's the larger one clearly the question clearly this was in bad taste what they say is that um uh, the staff member who put together the weekly quiz said he chose questions from the most widely read and important stories of the week. It was not a malicious idea, but it was poorly conceived and executed. And, you know, that that's what they say by way of explanation for it. To me, the, the interesting aspect of the story 
is not that some junior staff member didn't realize that it was in bad taste when when they put it in the paper. I mean that 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 can happen. Yeah, you know, my guess is it was probably again some junior person who you know just just wasn't thinking through what the implications of of this question would be. What I find to be the more interesting, perhaps larger aspect of the story, which which might comment on you know mainstream media and newspapers in general, what I find interesting is that nobody caught it. It's it's not that it's not that you have the one staff member who puts this 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 question in. It's that there's there's no grown ups reviewing it, um, because my my guess is. If this had been five years ago or ten years ago where you have more editors and you're not just sending the stuff off to Des Moines or wherever they send it off, you know, somebody would have taken a, a look at this and said, you know, this is this is really in bad taste and we shouldn't be doing it. But but I think this is what happens. And I, I really I don't mean to pick on the Journal Sentinel because I think you see this going on with newspapers as they cut more and more. And you have all these efforts to try to, OK, let's let's try to figure out ways to stay afloat. And we're struggling financially. So we get rid of bodies and we get rid of bodies and we don't have editors and things like that. Again, it's not that some young guy missed it, didn't realize how insensitive this question was, but it's that there, there's no grown-ups, like I say, to review it. There's no editor saying, huh, get, let's get rid of that question or or whatever. And it's not just the Journal Sentinel. This just kind of embodies it. It's a problem you see in a lot of newspapers that it just, it, it's with all the cutbacks and stuff, it's just a completely and totally different world, and there's less review, and that's why you see more mistakes that are out there. And I don't know if it's – again, it's not that people intend to make the mistakes. It's just that I think there's lots of times people who, you know, in the past, somebody would have caught the mistake or somebody would have questioned the judgment of the story, and now you just don't have people there that are doing that kind of review, and things like this happen. And I, I guess that's that, to me, is the larger point of this – um, in this particular case, I think the Journal Sentinel did absolutely the, the right thing, and I applaud them for it. And the question is, what does this mean going forward, though? Not for this news quiz, but for you know news reporting in general. Okay, when we come back, John McCure is off today. Scott Warris is in with Melissa. We'll find out what they have on their minds on the Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.